0: to football, Antonio Brown. We're just waiting for this dude to be suspended. Zeke Elliott is in the building finally. We are going to break down your college football week two with previews and picks. We're going to go in-depth on Texas LSU. And, boys, we are catching flights, probably as people are listening to this. I'll be in the air. Melo be in the air. Connor will be in the air because we are headed to
1: Austin fucking Texas, that's that's what the people call it down there in Texas. We we ask them. That's what they said. Austin, fucking Texas. I'm very excited about the game. I'm very excited about the tailgate, too, that's going to happen. Pluckers,
2: I've been hearing about it for months. I'm so excited to get them in my belly. Yeah, first timer for me right here. So I have no idea what to expect. You guys got to realize I'm going Vegas, Nashville to Austin. So uh, buckle up, I guess. guess. Yeah, you're You're trying to kill me, but we're going to have a blast.
0: The Miller Brothers post divorce tour. Like, (laughs) this is what we've done previously. So it's almost like you got divorced without the alimony and child support. She made t shirts.
1: Right. We should. we should. There we go. Uh, Connor Palooza, store.
0: 2019. Man, I'm with it. Austin, Texas. Like Mello said, Pluckers 230 on Rio Grande. It's going to be a great time. We'll be there for about three hours. So come hang out, watch us record the podcast. But boys, as we sit here, it is just after 4 p.m. Central Time on Thursday. We are waiting to hear from the Oakland Raiders regarding Antonio Brown. It came out Thursday morning. Adam Schefter dropped a bomb on Twitter. The AB was upset. And it just like, got worse and worse throughout the day. Come to find out, he had to be restrained by Vontez Perfect, which is a sentence I never thought I would say. That someone was being restrained by Vontez Perfect from punching Mike Mayock and then told Mayock he was going to punch him. This whole situation, like, I thought gate was bad. I thought the
1: frostbit feet were, was bad. This dude is unhinged. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I'm doing my day job trying to keep up with everything. And it's just, it's difficult to, but the, the him going at Mike Mayock thing, going after the GM, I think everybody probably could have predicted this was going to happen eventually. Uh, I'm just glad
2: that it happens the night that football kicks off. It's just the NFL is owning this Thursday. It's absolutely, I mean, I shouldn't say it's hilarious, but the fact that this drama has somehow gotten worse is unbelievable when it comes down to it i almost feel like and you guys can tell me if you feel differently i don't think antonio brown plays a down for the raiders this year i really don't yeah and here's my
0: take guys and you can tell me if you disagree i don't think he wants to i think every step every step along the way this summer to me has said this dude does not want to play football anymore i'm not going to play without my helmet oh my feet hurt now like what says to me that he wants to be on the field and he wouldn't if, go to Buffalo, right? Wouldn't go to Buffalo. If I'm Mike Mayock, I would draw a line in the sand and maybe he does today when we hear from the Raiders. Maybe he says, you know what? We've given this dude so many opportunities. We've supported him through helmet gate, through feet gate. We've supported him riding in a goddamn hot air balloon. Like We've been there, but we have 52 other players that we are holding accountable and he's not one of them. So I would honestly, I would void his guarantees for conduct detrimental
1: to the team. And I would cut his ass tonight and move on not having to pay him another dollar. You probably wouldn't even have to cut him because I think the Patriots would swoop in with a sixth or seventh round pick. Then and they'd have to pay him. They don't oh, okay. do so so they, <laughs> yeah. they are going to, I think, move on from him. I even tweeted it out like over the summer. like, Will AB even play for the Raiders on week one? It was kind of a joke. Doesn't look like much of a joke anymore. I think he's actually like kind of questionable. We'll see what happens. Uh, suspension. He's probably not going to play week one. A lot of news coming down the pipe today. When you don't show up for work,
2: you get in trouble. That's what happens. And to post. Is Connor throwing shade at me? <laughs> <think> to, so. <laughs> to post the fines, the letter oh. from the GM. Yeah. Yep. It's it's diabolical. It's unbelievable to think that this would just smooth over. It's like he's challenging them each time something gets fixed. He finds a new issue to create with the team. And if you know Mike Mayock, he's not going to deal with that bullshit. So for AB, I agree with you. I think that he just maybe doesn't want to play this year or maybe somehow is already fed up in Oakland. Maybe he finally realized that Derek Carr is not that great. I don't know what it is, but either way, he's really pissed off. Here's the thing I want to know from you guys.
0: And this is not on the rundown. Who would win in a cage match? I tweeted this poll. Who wins in a cage
1: match, Mike Mayock or A.B.? I think that Mike Mayock is a somewhat reasonable person, and those people usually don't fight as well as batshit crazy people. So A.B. has that on him, and he's still in pretty damn good shape. So I think I'm going to take Antonio Brown if i got to pick somebody in a fight.
2: Yeah, and when it all comes down to it, I think AB can get out of the cage a little faster than Mike Mayock at this point. Oh, but those feet are fucked up. I that's don't know. true. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. If it's a, if it's a ladder match, I'm going to take Mike Mayock. And I'll good say call. this: it's actually it's very like for the Oakland fans. This is extremely disappointing because I think they've sat through a rebuild. Uh, this was something they were supposed to be really excited about. A really great veteran player playing with a young core. And for him to do this, which is just, it's flat out selfish. There's no way around it. It's its really disappointing for them going into the season that this is what they're talking about.
0: I want all the cold takes from all of us saying like the Raiders are going to, I said it, they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, you loved that. <laughs> I did. I loved them. Who would have thought that there was a reason Pittsburgh was willing to pay this dude $12 million and let him go for a third and a fifth?
1: Who would have thought? Yeah, maybe Pittsburgh knows what they're doing. I liked the signing when it happened to bringing him in, but I didn't expect there would be this many headaches. And then bringing in the other guys like Incognito and Vontez Berfect, who thank God for Mike Mayock that he did bring in Vontez Berfect, But I just I didn't see how that was going to work. Once you start getting all those pieces in a locker room and then you're doing the complete opposite with your draft. I think he was trying to balance out that locker room with all these high character guys with good work ethic, and then you're signing these veterans who have some questions surrounding them. Big news for Hunter Renfro. That's what today is. Let's move on, guys. Zeke Elliott, uh, someone who handled his business a little bit differently than
0: AB, signs a six-year, $90 million contract. $50 million of that is guaranteed, which is actually what we thought would happen. Happened. He gets the most guaranteed money for a running back, um, surpasses Todd Gurley in that that area. He's now locked up for a very long time. I remember hearing when they drafted Zeke, uh, a person who was a GM at the time, as Not Anymore told me, they're going to run him into the ground for five years, and then they're going to keep him as somehow franchise tag or short-term deal for a year or two more, and then they're going to walk away from it. They're just going to use him as hard and as fast as they can, and then let him go. It seems like this deal really is like a two-year deal, and then they kind of have an out here.
1: Yeah, and I mean the 6-year extension for a running back is absolutely ridiculous and then the guaranteed money with the 50 million guaranteed. Uh, I don't know where the Cowboys are getting all of their money, but apparently Jerry Jones is just printing it down there. It will be interesting to see like you guys talked about on the Midweek show like who's the odd man out. I agree. I think it's probably going to be Jones at corner with them just locking up everybody. You can't let Dak go. I think they're going to keep Amari, and then Zeke gets his deal done. So good for the Cowboys. I would like to see them be successful. I think they're one of the few teams in the NFL where football is better when the Cowboys are winning. I know that our NFC East fans probably don't like to hear that, Redskins, Giants, Eagles,
2: but I think football is better when the Cowboys are good. A lot of money here, a lot of money, but I do think the uh, the max value always tells a different story than the real, the real guarantee. Dollars here for Zeke. And of course, he's now the highest paid running back. And I think when it comes down to it, though, he's still really young. That's the thing. You're getting him in his prime. When the guaranteed money is up in this deal, It's, you know, maybe the wheels will fall off the bus there and they will run him into the ground. But the Cowboys know the player they have. They know how vital he is to that offense, playing behind that offensive line, helping Dak Prescott and also Amari Cooper. It takes some pressure off him. Somebody else we think will get an extension there. This one just simply unlike the Melvin Gordon situation. This deal simply had to get done. Yeah, No one is trading a first-rounder for Melvin Gordon, by No the one's way. trading a second-rounder
0: for I was gonna, him. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree with yeah. that. I don't know if anyone's going to trade a third-rounder for him. I don't him. know if anyone's uh, trading for him at this point in the season. Yeah. <laughs> there
1: we go. We got there. Finally. No trades for him. Melo, you have some of the rundown here. Uh, Thursday night football. Uh, the recap yes because we record on Thursday nights I didn't want to do a disservice to our fan base uh, for missing out on Thursday night football so when you're listening to this Friday we're going to go ahead and recap the game for you what happened what went down and it was a great game 100 years Lambeau Field, great atmosphere. I love what the Bears were able to do on defense. Mitch Trubisky looked like a completely different quarterback. I really think that we're seeing him grow this year, another year with Matt Nagy. And I'll tell you, Connor, David Montgomery going off in game one like he Feels did. Good. Feels good. Absolutely amazing to have him as our Vindicated, RB1. the two of you are. Just absolutely vindicated. I'm happy for you, boys. Uh, go Bears, Bear Down. Obviously. Yeah, I just I feel bad for Aaron Rodgers throwing that interception when he did. I know he had a great picks. game.
2: He had a really great game. I think the off season of of being you know uh, not in the spotlight it was Pat Mahomes' off season for once. Aaron Rodgers came out pissed off, came out slinging it early, but just not enough to beat Chicago. Yeah, Matt Lafleur is already on my hot seat, guys. You know, I, mean, I he
1: has to be. was a saw, it, fan of the hire. If you look at his body language on the sideline from tonight's game, it was just you. You can tell there's something up there already. Week one. Tough scene for the Packers. All
0: right, that's our recap of Thursday Night Football. We take a break. We come back. We're going to break down week two of the college football season, games that actually haven't happened yet. (laughs) It's time to break down week two. I'm laughing at Mello. We're on YouTube now. Uh, Bleacher Report YouTube channel. Look for us. you can see my mouth not work now, too. Monday mornings, Wednesday mornings, Friday mornings. Uh, and except for this week, because we'll be at the tell you, it's no video Monday, but Melo's like making jokes
1: before we roll, and then we roll and I'm laughing. So it's just we have to do it's the, not great. I don't even know what it's called. Pre-roll We clap. count in. Yeah. yeah. And so I was doing the... What was that, the Kyler Murray?
0: You're like Kyler Murray.
1: You're making Fake me a false, yeah. false start. Making a false start. Right. You never know when I'm going to. I really don't.
0: Never know when you're going to go. Let's get into week two previews and picks. Let's start it here. West Virginia at
1: Missouri, guys. Missouri, minus 14, 62 and a half over under, Mello. I'm going to take the over on this one, and I tell you, I like Missouri. I know that they just lost to Wyoming, and people love to get my Twitter mentions about, oh, did you see what they did last week? I did, and that's why I think this is a redemption game for them. It's their first home game in Columbia because they lost on the road in Wyoming, and I think maybe the altitude had something to do with it. But I like them against West Virginia. West Virginia didn't really impress me last week. I think that Kelly Bryant, uh, Roundtree, I think they get the offense going. I hope we see more Albert O this week. I like Missouri. I like Missouri big. 14-point favorite. I don't know if I would bet on the points, but if I'm betting outright, I do like Missouri to win this game.
2: Yeah, betting outright, I'm going with Missouri as well. I do think West Virginia covers in this game. That line is juicy. It's a fat line at 14 points there. But when you look at it, the simple fact is neither of these teams are very good right now. But Missouri needs a big bounce back, and this is probably just what the doctor ordered for them. So you're both taking Missouri? Yep. Straight up, yeah. West Virginia covers, though. I'm taking some country
0: roads. Wow! Take me home. You gotta sing to it to the place. The song's got you feeling that
2: way. I don't West know about the Virginia. pick.
0: West Virginia. I don't think they'll cover. I'll say that I don't think <laughs> there's any way. But no, I I'm going to take West Virginia. I just don't believe in Missouri. I know West Virginia is down, but I, I think Missouri coming off a loss to Wyoming, I think they are just primed for a, a surprise game. And I think West Virginia is a good enough team. There's still some talent there for them to shock Missouri uh, on the year. Mello, we're actually tied at six and four. So I also I just know. had to take a different game than you. Number twelve, Texas A&M at number one, Clemson. The Tigers favored by seventeen a and a line. half. Oh my God, and 64 and a half is the over. Guys, I am Smash. going to take the over. Definitely taking the over. I'm gonna take Clemson to win this, but I actually think AM covers. Clemson is not this special juggernaut. We saw that last week when they struggled. I do expect a better game from Trevor Lawrence. But Kellen Mond and this A&M offense, they are good enough to keep things interesting, even in Death
1: Valley. Yeah, I hate it when we agree, but I'm going to agree with you on this one. Uh, For a lot of the reasons you just pinpointed, I do think this is going to be a a high offense here, so I'm going to take the over as well. And you're right. I think A&M can do enough on offense that they keep it close. I don't know if they're ever really going to be in this game. I think Clemson can jump on them early. But I also think that they'll stay within like 13, 14 points. I I don't think it'll get too out of hand. So I'm going to take Clemson. I I probably would stay away
2: from betting this game. It just seems like it could be an upset, uh, but I am going to take Clemson. Yeah, you have to wonder if Trevor Lawrence is going to be looking for that bounce back kind of game after, you know, falling down the Heisman rankings a little bit and maybe get those numbers back up. I expect a shootout in this game. Hopefully uh, my cousin Kendrick Rogers has another big game here against Clemson. We'll see. But it's just hard to pick against Clemson in this one as much as I don't love that line. That's a lot to ask for them to cover in this one against a pretty good AM team. It's a lot of AM disrespect. It really honestly. is. Like That's a 17. And I've like
0: trashed Jimbo Fisher on the show, but 17 and a half is a hell of a lot. All right, number 25, Nebraska at Colorado, a huge rivalry game here. Nebraska's favored by three and a half, 64 and a s the over under. Guys, I'm going to take the under- I think Nebraska wins outright. I also think they cover in this one. Colorado's, I, I like Montez. Colorado's is not that good. I think Nebraska gets back on track this week.
1: And that's where you're wrong because I'm going to take the under as well. And Colorado, I really like what they're doing. The way they performed last week against Colorado State was a real test. It was Colorado you, State. Exactly. When you look at this Nebraska team, though, they struggled against South Alabama. They put up 35 points, but they gave up 21 to South Alabama. That's why I think a guy like Leviscus Shaynault can come in here, get the ball in his hands. He can score every time. I think by himself he can put up 21 in this game. So I'm actually going to take an underdog here, and we call those the super underdog locksmith of the week to bet your money on because I don't have the nuts to bet my own money. So plus three and a half for Colorado. I like it. Take it against Nebraska. I don't know if Scott Frost has these things rolling yet. Last
2: year, it took six games for them to to do it. I think maybe we see that same thing this year. I did not like what I saw last week from Nebraska. came away very underwhelmed. But with that being said, I'm going to stick with them. I think they do get back on track here. I do think this is a win for them. I even think it's a cover here. I really do. I think Colorado's got some talent. I'd like to see Chenault really take over the game. And they get creative with how they get him the ball, whether it's screens, sweeps, obviously throwing him the ball. But Nebraska, I think they have a statement win this week there. This game is at
0: two thirty, so it will be happening during our podcast recording and yeah. tailgate tour. So uh how
2: about loser yep. shotguns of beer? Oh, fantastic. Okay, there you go. We're just That's adding fair. some bets. You, that on you the two bets.
1: actually have to do it though.
2: And we'll be giving away hoodies. So if you really want to stick to football hoodie, come to Pluckers. There you go. If you made it to this point in the show, you get those little tidbits.
1: Yeah, right. (laughs) This is where we really give
0: you the info. You're 12 minutes in. And here's a Madden code. (laughs) I don't have any more. I would give them away. Number 23, Stanford at USC. This is the surprise of the week for me. USC is favored by a point. The over-under is only 45. This is ridiculous. I don't understand. I know it's at USC. I don't think they have a home field advantage anymore. Opening I'm phone taking now Stanford and, and I obviously believe that they will cover in this one. Yeah,
1: I agree with Literally you too. Literally betting right th- now. This game's it, it sucks. I don't want to say that, but it sucks that both starting quarterbacks are going to be out. We saw KJ Costello go down, and then we see J.C. Daniels get hurt as well. So we have two backup quarterbacks, and that's the difference for me in this game because Stanford brings in a guy who's been there for a little bit with Mills, and USC is going to start a true freshman at quarterback. That's not good against the Stanford defense. Uh, I know that they couldn't score last week. But they stopped Northwest from scoring, and and their quarterback couldn't do anything. Now you're introducing a a freshman to this. I think that Stanford can get the job done, even though they are playing at USC. Matt, like you mentioned, that's not really a home field advantage for them anymore. So no shit talk here for the USC fans. I hope your guys' program gets back. But right now, I'm taking Stanford. The quarterback is just the difference maker.
2: Yeah, Stanford knows how to travel. They'll be ready for this game. This line is just... Kind of laughable, in my opinion. I understand it's because USC is home, but you got a ranked Stanford team coming in; they'll be just fine. Stanford all the way. Like I actually want to bet on this, and you know, my big complaint is we can't legally bet in Missouri. Oof, legally
0: being the key word. It's crazy. So I'm going to Venmo Connor some money, and please uh, take care of those New Jersey laws for me on this one, buddy. All right, game of the week, fellas, number six LSU at number nine Texas. That's nice, Texas. Plus six, 55 and a half is the over-under. And I'm going to go last.
1: I don't want to, I'm going wow. right, well, to go first. It, it pains me to do this. I hate to do it, but I would rather be right. I think that LSU is going to win this game. I think it's going to be a very tough atmosphere for LSU to come into because the fan base is going to be ready. This isn't the opening game. It's not the home opener. So it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, McConaughey is going to be there. The sidelines are going to be packed. But I do not like the depth of this Texas team. Now, they're going, they're limited to almost, I'd say, one and a half running backs right now because their second string running back is their third string quarterback. And he's a freshman. He never played running back until he got to Texas. Keontae Ingram, I don't know if he's a guy that can carry the load for this Texas team. Only like 11 carries last week. That worries me. I think they're going to have to be able to move the ball rushing in order to beat LSU, and I don't know if they can do that. They can't put it all on Sam Ellinger. The defense has holes, and Joe Burrow absolutely lit it up last week. Five touchdowns. LSU looks like they have an offense, and we know they have a great defense. I hope LSU loses, but I think they're going to win.
2: Yeah, hate doing this before we even get there. Not going to be making a lot of friends, but I'm picking LSU in this one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I just think they just have more talent across the board. I was looking at the defense today. It's like – Their entire defense can be drafted. It's absolutely ridiculous. Then you see how Burrow comes out. Now, this is a test for Burrow because the the cupcake is over here. Burrow is going to be tested a little more in this one, obviously, on the road. But I I think LSU is going to win this game. That line is a little big, though, and I know Matt's going to go somewhere else here with this. Uh, You think, guys? Because (laughs) I believe in Tom Herman. I believe in Sam Ellinger.
0: I'm going with Texas. This is what Tom Herman does. He always wins underdog games. Always. We saw him beat Oklahoma last year in the Red River shootout. We saw him beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. So you say, oh, I don't know if Keontae Ingram can be the guy. He can be. And I don't know that Christian Fulton can stop what they have in Colin Johnson. That's going to be one of the best that's, matchups that's a on good Saturday. Matchup to highlight. Colin that's Johnson's
1: size and his awareness, I'm taking Texas. I'll take the fucking points. Now, I think we maybe need to put a bet down on this one, too. But also, I want to see Sam Ellinger carry one out of the pocket, and I want to see what happens with Grant Delpit. Not not Chase on. Please God, don't let that happen. But Grant Delpit, I want to see if he can lay the wood on a big guy like Sam Ellinger. Hopefully both of them walk away healthy from that. But I, it's going to be a very good game. Obviously, that's why we've highlighted on the tailgate tour. That's why it's our game of the week here. Very excited about it. Sadly, I just think LSU is going to win.
0: Yeah, and I'm sorry Joe Burrow beat up Georgia fucking Southern.
2: You okay. were yeah. excited, I, though. Big win.
1: <laughs> big win. I mean,
0: I like this stat line. He looked good, but it was Georgia Southern. They didn't have Caden Stearns back there or Big Brandon Jones Brandon or BJ Jones. Foster. Yeah. So it's going to be a great game. We know that. We're going to be down there uh, having a lot of fun. I'm already fired up. Just think how Saturday night's going to be. Oh, yeah. Saturday, Saturday afternoon. Pluckers. I'm um,
1: um, Coming in low that way when Texas does win, I don't care if I'm wrong. I'll be very excited. I'll be running down Bevo Boulevard naked screaming I was right. Hey. So come for that, too. I almost did that last weekend.
0: All right, boys, it is top five time, and this week, because it is basically Texas LSU week here on Stick to Football, we're going to rip through the current top five Texas players. That's Mello. The current top five LSU players, that's Connor. And then I'm going to give you the top five draft prospects from the two teams combined. So big on the Tigers and Longhorns this week because we're all super excited. So
1: Mello, you're up first. The top five current Texas players. I'm going to take the top five guys here, and I went more from a college uh, point of view than a draft point of view, since you'll be talking about some of these guys. But I think it does start with Sam Ellinger for Texas, maybe as a draft prospect, uh, unsure about that one yet, but definitely as a college football player, I think he's one of the most electric college football players uh, playing right now. So it starts there with me, uh, what he's able to do with his arm. Hopefully it's consistent. I actually thought that he missed a lot of throws last week against Louisiana Tech. So hopefully he can correct that against a very good secondary, possibly dbu and lsu and then next i'm going to go with colin johnson a guy that i actually think really helped out sam ellinger last week making the sideline catch adjusting his body he really impressed me he was a guy that i was actually kind of low on through the draft process but he's coming out and proving that he's a very valuable piece to this offense so i really like him and then our guy uh stick to football guy caden stearns all of us love him I want to see what he can do because now it is time to show up for Caden Stearns. Last week, I thought he kind of played, he disappeared for a little bit. He can't against LSU. He's going to have to be in there playing over the top with another guy that I have at safety, Brandon Jones. I like both of these guys. I like how they complement each other with one being able to play in the box. They can both kind of slide in that nickel position. Caden Stearns is a guy that I think we're going to be talking about a lot. Not this year, obviously, because he's a sophomore. But next year in the draft, or hopefully, if you're a Texas fan like me, the next year because he will stay for all four years. And... Let's just stay with the secondary because they also have a very young guy in B.J. Foster, who is also a true sophomore. A lot of young talent in the secondary. I think he's been overshadowed by Caden Stearns. 6'2", 210, plays the nickel, plays safety as well. I really like what he can do. I like his potential. I think by the end of the year that we're going to be talking about those two safeties being a very special tandem.
2: Yeah, so for LSU, I went with the more draft-eligible approach here since I can't always read sometimes. So we're going to have some fun with this one here. And these are the players we've been watching all summer. But Grant Delpit is the best safety uh, in the country. I think it's pretty as simple as that. Now, he's still got to go earn it. He's a young player here. We'd like to see him make some plays against a good Texas team. So all eyes on Grant Delpit. I don't think there's going to be disagreement from anyone there. Now, I will say across the field from him, though, Brandon Jones and Caden Stearns, I think that's the best safety duo in the country. So makes this matchup extra interesting. Christian Fulton really like what he can do at corner. We got to see him in person last year against Georgia, thought he played very, very well. There's times he was better than Greedy Williams last year. So all eyes on Christian Fulton. Now the wild card of the group, that's Caleb on chase on. I think with him, it, the injury last year, we don't really know, but we have expectations that he could be a top flight pass rusher. And, and I think we're going to start to see that as this year goes on, he gets back to form. I think you're talking about somebody where we don't know if he's going to be back in school next year, or if he's going to be a first round pick. So the ends, the spectrum's very big for a guy like chase on Jacob Phillips, at linebacker, he's just a tackling machine. He finds the ball. It's as simple as that. LSU always has these, you know, stocky athletic kind of linebackers, Phillips is next in line. And Rashard Lawrence is, you know, the rare LSU player that's actually been there a little bit now. Team leader, team captain should see him in Mobile at the senior bowl this year as one of those defensive linemen down in the trenches. So when you're looking for draft eligible talent from LSU and all starting talent right here, they're absolutely loaded. It was hard to leave someone like Joe Burrow off this list, their quarterback. But I want to see more You know, pro things that he can do or times where he's not just there to obviously, you know, just go along for the ride. Go ahead and win them some games. I think you could start that while on the road in Austin this weekend.
0: You know what I just remember that I forgot? Uh, I have a $500 bet with Foster Moreau on this game. It's to charity. But it's five bills. You should have bet me. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. No thanks. It's the charity, so it's for a good cause. Uh, so my top five draft prospects from this game, a uh, number one is obviously Grant Delpit. I think he has a special safety prospect. He reminds me a lot of Derwin James. Now, the thing that we need to see from him, like we saw really the second half of Derwin's last year at Florida State, we need to see big plays from Grant Delpit because so far we've seen the body type and the athleticism, the character's obviously there, but I want to see playmaking ability. Games like this one, games against Georgia, games against Alabama, or where we really need to see him fall I expect we will see him be asked to spy Sam Ellinger. We'll be asked to see him cover Keontae Ingram out of the backfield as a receiver. So Grant Delpit, this could be a signature game for him. Up next, again, draft prospects here. Caleb on chase one of my favorite players in the country win and healthy, and we've only seen flashes from him in that freshman season, like Connor said. Will he be an NFL guy after this year? I believe he will be. He's already rocking number 18, which is a pretty good sign of what is to come for him. Guys normally wear 18, and then they're out of there for a year after that, so I think Chase on as he knocks off some rust, and he did have a quiet game last week, but again, it was Georgia Southern. That'll be a really good test. Him against the Texas offensive line, which uh, is pretty young. Uh, Sam Cosme, the left tackle, Derek Kerstetter at right tackle, th- those are going to be good matchups for what we see from Chase on Christian Fulton will be third for me and this is an LSU dominated list at the top here and it's dominated by the back seven on defense Fulton has excellent size He's physical, uh, but again, we're going to see him matched up against Colin Johnson this week, and that's who's next on my list. That matchup between those two players is one of the best from the college football season. It's definitely the best scouting matchup of Week 2. Just seeing the size of Colin Johnson, who has such a massive catch radius, extends so well. And what we saw Week 1, like Melo said, was adjustment from him. I really felt like his first two years, he was this big, you know, tall, kind of stiff and rigid receiver. If we see added agility from him, he could be a first round prospect at the wide receiver position and then number five for me a player that i i know will not enter the 2020 NFL draft but i got to put him on here anyway is sam ellinger now i have questions about his arm strength and i know last year he was hurt with the shoulder injury and that affected his arm strength some i almost think he's a little bit too bulky in the upper body that affects some of his motion. He gets a little bit rigid right here in his motion, and I think that does affect velocity a little bit, but his toughness, his leadership, his field vision, his playmakability ability are all really, really top-notch. So I think Sam Ellinger is, is right there. I want to throw out one name that I know the staff at Texas is super excited about that is not draft-eligible yet, but Jalen Green at corner is going to be someone to watch. There are people there that believe he's the best player in that entire secondary there's some guys that believe he's the best player on
1: defense he had a great spring game and he had a big game last week and he's the only guy that really solidified himself as a starting corner they were looking at a lot of these other guys cook is another sophomore that they were looking at and jalen green was the standout guy that's like okay this has to be our lockdown corner every other job was open he's the only guy that really showed up and and won that job immediately. Draft on, draft time, boys. Patrick Chamberlain, first question. Now that the season is upon us, what single
0: NFL storyline are you most excited to watch unfold this season? No one cheating San Antonio
1: that.
2: I'm going to let Connor go first, because uh, I want to steal what I'm <laughs> maybe going to say. Uh, for me, it's the, the second-year quarterbacks. I don't really care about the rookies. Dwayne Haskins... Okay. Not going to play right away. Daniel Jones, not going to play right away. Kyler Murray, uh, they're going to lose a lot of games over there in Arizona. For me, it's the second-year quarterbacks. I look at, you know, can Lamar Jackson grow as a passer? Can Sam Darnold and Josh Allen cut down the turnovers and not just, you know, manage the game but lead their offenses? Will Josh Rosen survive in Miami? That's something that we want to know. And is Baker Mayfield the superstar that he's been billed as already? I think that's the one for me where – you know, something's been written about the each of them, whether it's Lamar can't throw or, you know, Josh Allen is is making these cross field throws and turning the ball over. or Josh Rosen's done or Baker Mayfield's already a star. I want to see how it all shakes out rather than talking about it for five, six, seven months.
0: Yeah, I agree. And with Baker, I think one of the it's like there are camps with Baker, you know, it's like Baker's the next superstar, or you got the people who are like, uh, Baker wasn't good against good defenses last year. So I I think it's going to be interesting to see what what does happen this year, what comes from that. Mello, your top storyline. I was going to
1: take actually the second-year quarterbacks, but specifically Sam Darnold. I really want to see what he can do with Le'Veon Bell there. I think that's going to be a great matchup for them. Being able to get the ball to him out of the backfield, I think that's going to be key. I had him as my quarterback one. I want to see what he can do this year with a good running game, with some more weapons on offense, with a better offense offensive line so mine was Sam Darnold but I do agree with you Connor the second year quarterbacks let's really see what we have with these guys especially Josh Rosen Lamar Jackson I want to see what they can do on the field I'm pretty confident with the first two Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold I think they'll do just fine I want to see Josh Allen another year see what he can do he's another guy that has a better offensive line more weapons around him now his running back. So I'll agree with you, Connor, on the second year quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, for me, I think there's a lot. You know, it's, it's, I'm fascinated by some of the team building that we're seeing. You know, Cleveland and Oakland have bought teams, uh, you know, outside of, you know, like they drafted Baker, obviously, and Nick Chubb, but they've, they've brought in high profile players. Will that work? We're already seeing it unravel in Oakland. Miami is tanking. How will that work? But I think for me, like the biggest storyline is, We see teams like the Chicago Bears, who are built so much on defense and now a strong run game. Will they be able to win in today's NFL, where everything favors the offense, where the Rams are more spreaded out than ever before? We've seen teams like Green Bay, Cincinnati make hires to where they're going to try to spread it out more. They've, they've, you know, everyone's going for the Sean McVay style offense. So I want to see that can defense is still winning the NFL. The super bowl was all about defense 13 to three. The Patriots really dominated that game and were able to slow down Jared Goff. So can a team, like Chicago, can they compete in a league where the Rams and Chiefs and Saints are just trying to score 60 points every week? So that's one thing that fascinates me. Second question, guys, from Jeremy Godden. What positions do you think are undervalued and overvalued the most in professional football or college football?
1: I, mean, I think you actually have to say the offensive tackle position. You look at left tackle, we almost have no one coming out that's any good. I'll, I'll take my Kansas City Chiefs to use as an example. I think they have the best offense in college in the NFL. And they don't have a very good left tackle. And for years, we said, okay, after you get your quarterback, you have to have somebody at that left tackle. You have to protect the blind side because of a movie with Sandra Bullock. No, actually, you don't. You can put somebody on the right side of that offensive line and they will do just fine. So I actually think that left tackle has become very overrated and running back is still very underrated. I know that you can find these guys all over the place. But it's still it really helps your offense. There are not very many teams that do have a great offense without having some kind of piece in the running game. And even the Kansas City Chiefs last year with Kareem Hunt there for that short time. And then Williams stepping up into that role. They still had a viable option at running.
2: Yeah, back. I don't think that's crazy at all. I think when you look at it, teams, if they want to get home, they'll find a way. One offensive lineman can't just solve everything. I think in a way, I, I know the value of the corner position has not fallen off. It's definitely increased. But if you have a number one corner and nothing around him, teams will just throw away from you. They'll find a way to win. So at times, chasing that number one corner all the time. Like, here's an example that that hits close to home. This is funny one. Jets gave Tremaine Johnson $90 billion dollars. And their secondary sucks. And even when he plays, it sucks. And also, his play's fallen off, but teams can just throw away from him. So it's more about building the entire secondary, finding value safeties, finding slot guys on day three of the draft, and building the entire unit. I think the secondary, specifically corner, has been very similar to how Mello broke down the left tackle situation.
0: Yeah, I think one of the most overvalued is tight end because I mean, you, a good tight end is not many. Is nice, but you better yeah. have an elite one. Like if you don't have Gronk or yeah, Travis Ertz. Kelsey yep. or Zach Ertz, like okay, who fucking cares? Like you, you probably got a guy who's going to catch forty balls. Like it's n- they're not difference makers offensively. We we haven't seen OJ Howard break out. I don't know if TJ Hawkinson can ever live up to his draft stock unless he's a Hall of Famer, basically. Oh, yeah. So no offense, same way. I just think tight end has become. It really has become overvalued. I think undervalued. This is a prediction, and, and I know I'm I'm stealing something Mello has said for years. We're going to see the fullback come back this year in a big, big way because people are just going to try to hammer these these small three by two by seven defenses or three by two by six defenses where everyone's just let me throw as many DBs out there as possible and. You you can beat those up, so I, I think we're going to see the fullback come back. We've already seen like some of the roster construction where teams are actually they're adding fullbacks again. So that's my undervalued position, a little bit of a homer pick. And I also on the offensive line, your center is so important. Yes, like and we don't we talk about left tackle so much, and now there's right tackle talk because of Lane Johnson and Mitchell Schwartz. But goddamn, that center better be good because that's where it all starts. And when you have to worry about guys like Aaron Donald and Fletcher Cox and now Quentin Williams and. Ed Oliver, and Rashawn Gary, just freaks. You better have a really good center. Riley Loveless says, The good Lord himself comes down and tells you that your NFL team will win the Super Bowl if you do not watch a single second of any of their games that season. Would you do it, and is it worth it? No, I wouldn't do it. if it like I wouldn't
1: care if they won if I couldn't see it. Right, like, isn't that the point, is that you get to watch and enjoy as you follow
2: along? Yeah, yeah. I just I'm sat there, there for the ride. 26 miserable seasons as a jets fan. And I'm going to not watch any of it and they win what's the point of that? Yeah,
1: yeah. same with me and my Kansas City Chiefs. That yeah. Year last year that I was a fan, it really I enjoyed watching it even though we didn't win the Super Bowl. <laughs>
0: yeah, I just don't think there's any way. Like I mean as a Niners fan, I've seen like four. I'm not that selfless. 3 or 4 of their Super Bowls I also some lose one. And there's <laughs> no way. I want that moment of Like, who cares if you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, my team won the Super Bowl.
2: I'll say this. I I might agree to it in baseball because the Mets would find a way for it to be miserable if they won a World Series. They would just find a way. So as long as they just win it and I can go around and be happy in New York for a day. I think the the next Mets-Royals-World Series appearances
1: will probably be against each other again. Like That's just yeah. the way it's going to happen, Connor. Yeah, the when,
0: thing is, none of us will be alive to when see When they're it. done with their
1: <laughs> 28-year rebuilds <laughs> together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I hope Emmett likes it.
2: Yeah, yeah. 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 And, Emmett, enjoy the World it, series, buddy. Uh,
0: Yeah, all right. Roma Tomasov, last, last question. Who would you rather have on your fantasy team and to start an NFL team with? Alva Kamara Ooh, or Christian
1: McCaffrey? So I know mine, though. I... Uh, I'm going to go with McCaffrey. Yeah, me too. And, and I had the second pick in our fantasy draft, and I gloated a little bit because I got Saquon somehow. But if you're giving me those two guys, I would have went with McCaffrey. I liked his body of work last year. I like that he's taking care of his actual body, too, putting on a little bit more weight to carry the load. And hes I think he's just as dangerous out of the backfield catching the ball. He just hasn't been – I mean, he you have one playing with Drew Brees, you have one playing with Cam Newton. So I, I'm going to take McCaffrey.
2: Yeah, it's McCaffrey for me as well. I'm really curious to see how Kamara handles that workload this year. We've seen McCaffrey handle an absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous workload before. So I'm just more confident. I think they're both phenomenal players in terms of talent. The gap's really not that big. I just I'm more confident right now. McCaffrey uh, staying healthy for the long term and and really just carrying that offense. We've had both guys on the podcast too, so we can't even play favorites and be like, uh, oh, this no. one's been on the pod. So. I would
1: say that Kamara is the Kamara's best. Kamara's a little guest. more fun. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Kamara was better. I'm actually going to take Kamara. I just, I like his style a little bit more. Um, he's a little bit bigger, um, but just just a little bit, but I, I do. I, like, I just like the physicality he plays with I've Christian is so slippery and he does have some power to his game, but I like that Kamara, and maybe this is not good because we've never seen him be a featured back, but I do like that. He'll get a little more physical uh, with the ball in his hands. No wrong answer there. Oh, you'd be all.
1: great to have either one of them. I will tell. I mean, the saints spent a little bit less on draft capital than the Panthers did, but either one of those
2: guys, you should be good in fantasy team or real football before we close this show. What is your guys' concern level with Odell Beckham's comments about his hip? I haven't seen them. I didn't either. He said that it's a little scary. I'll read it to you. He basically feels that he's not full go yet right now because of his hip. The quote was, and this is from Mary Kay Cabot, the car can still go, but it's dangerous. It's something that prevents me from opening up and sprinting. Yeah, I'm very concerned Especially if he's if he's saying that, like he has no reason to put
1: out false information. I don't think that is that's not good. It's not no, good. No, that's
0: scary, man. And I I love Odell, and I actually just tweeted today, like all this AB drama, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Odell's supposed to be the diva, and he's just like quietly doing his shit. Maybe he's just in too much pain to talk. Uh, yeah, that's a little bit scary. I would be interested to see. What comes of that, man? These teams gotta protect their superstars. So hopefully they're managing. Yeah, it's so a wait and see.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've seen a lot of teams do that with obviously what they're doing in training camp. Like you don't need to risk getting a guy like Odell Beckham hurt anymore. Hopefully he is okay because I do want to see that Browns offense. I obviously I would like to see certain members of that offense fail, but he's not one of them. <laughs> No, Odell's, Odell's great. All right, boys, that is our show. Yep. The next time you hear us, we will be in
0: Austin, Texas at Pluckers having a plucking see good time. You won't be able to see us, but you'll be able to hear us. You can come see us, though, uh, on Rio Grande, 2.30 to 5-ish, 5.30-ish, depending on when we decide to head to the stadium. But come say, hey, let's have some Lone Star. Let's have some Shiner. We'll be giving out some merch, and we'll be doing the show live so you can get involved, get your voice on the podcast with some draft-on-draft questions. So save travels to Mello and Connor. Thank you to everyone watching this on youtube if you have not already go ahead and hit that subscribe button on youtube on itunes on spotify wherever you're checking us out we'll holler at y'all monday morning